Welcome to the Draw.Biz Podcast, your weekly dose of fantasy footy content. Hey everyone and welcome. What? Make it fucked. That's just, fine. Just keep we're just roll with it. it. Just roll with yeah, it. Yeah, we're rolling with it. Um, yeah, good day, everyone. Welcome back to the Draft Doctors. Uh, we are trying out a new uh, recording feature. Uh, Lek Dog from last week told us about Zencaster, so we're using that. So if that doesn't work, we are blaming Cam. Uh, and joining us this week, of course, to talk all things Trade Week Part 2 Electric Boogaloo is the great man from Queensland. How you doing, Cam? Hey, man. Yeah, good. Uh, just for the listeners, we... Had a, a Zencaster apparently when you push record gives you a count in a handy count in of three, two, one, and then Steve sat there staring at it angrily uh, when it stopped, and and that's why we had a little bit of a kerfuffle there. But uh, yeah, I, Steve, I'm feeling like I've been a little bit gaslighted, gaslit, gaslit, gaslit. with the show doc this week. Uh, I caught so much shit from you and from Jono and from Stato and. DOS back in the day about always picking cats and ex-cats players to talk about on the pod. And then I look at my list that you've given me and I see Jordan Clark, John Segler, and uh, Darcy Fort. Yeah. Yeah. What right. are- well, you might... Well, I mean, it, look, it was the same thing last week. I gave Leck all the Carlton players. We get a guest this week. He's a Crom fan. So, we, you know, we're all sort of hitting our home base. I don't think you know anything else aside from the Cats. It's true. It's true. And, speaking, and even then, not much. Yeah. And speaking of the Cats, uh, Charlie Constable got cut. One of many players, keeper coaches, thought were guns uh, going forward. He, he's he's out. Gonsies. Yeah. Uh, of course, our next guest, we've got another special guest. Uh, he's the host of the long-running, all-encompassing, coaches panel probably one of my favorite hosts going around mj welcome hey boys nice to have you and good to spend some time with you as we talk about what was clearly the most fascinating full enjoyable trade period that ever could have been like nothing else could have possibly fit into the 32 days of the trade period than what managed to somehow squeeze in it was it was pretty crazy but we fit it in didn't we yeah yeah well, it was fading because we record the show early on, on Sundays and then sort of literally nothing happened until the Wednesday when it got released. So it was fine. They couldn't have been fine. any better for you. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. I, I don't know how those people do like hours of radio about pick swaps. I don't, I don't listen to trade, uh, trade radio. Do you? Uh, look, I listen to it a little bit, like outside of all the footy side of life. I, I work in radio, so I'm always kind of fascinated about that side of, of life and how you just find a way to talk about nothing all of the time. Um, and um, they found a way to deliver on that for us. So well done to the team at Trade Radio. Now, they, look, credit to them. Like, I can only imagine when you've got 20 trades to move players and you've got to fill 12 hours of content and on some of the days... There is nothing happening. All you got is mega trades at that point in time, and and you can let everybody that's got a friend that's a friend of a list manager that has heard something. They're my favourites. I, I think that my favourite thing of this trade radio period that and I, I don't listen to it overly that much, but 
I saw a post on Twitter about it. <laughs> so, so, uh, a listener started their conversation with, it's me again. <laughs> and like, you know, you know, it's been a long day when the same guy's just coming in like every single, like... <laughs> full mill house. Yeah, I remember, yep. <laughs> I remember having to commentate a, uh, a bowls match for uh, radio and I, I can only imagine it's about that much fun. Um, but yeah, so MJ, you're, we're doing this little Q and A with our, our guests. You know, just getting their thoughts across the the fantasy. And what did you get right and wrong in 2021 from a fantasy perspective? Plenty in both categories, like most people do, which is good. I think a couple of things I got right was um, called Zach Williams a bust from the onset. I was always just so concerned about how many strong halfback and defensive users they had. They had the run and carry of Saad. They had the return of Doherty. Nick Newman always floating through. And it was, for me, it was like, well, if, if he plays mid, sure. But I didn't see it. And and so I was really adamant all along that I, I don't see the role. I don't see the scoring. And so I think based on the hype and where people were putting him in their draft boards, where people were picking, picking him in their salary caps, I was like, I just think it's a bust. Um, maybe another where I got right, I would say six weeks into the year, I was not thinking it was going right, was I was really hot on Josh Kelly last year. And I think at about middle of April, I was the sole member of the Josh Kelly fan club, still waving that flag, but pretty much from like round six onwards, once Lockie Whitfield comes back into the side, he gets that midfield rollback. He delivers his usual 110 for what was it, the next 15, 16 weeks of the year. Um, and then was really big on on Taron Thomas too. Like right back at the start of the year, we all did the, the mock draft uh, together. And I think one of the last picks I, I went for was a was a Taron Thomas because all the elements are there. It's one of those things you always try to project and forecast what a player could be. And and at that point in time of the draft, there's just no risk when you're picking it like what to anything like 200 plus or something like that. So um, for me, they're, they're just a couple of things that, got right for me on on draft day uh, let alone how salary cap went yeah i mean if we can just sort of expand on that a little bit mj so a couple of things you got right getting a hat yes yeah that's true got a hat in af yep well done thank you yeah what I'm, position was it it was 26 i think no. yeah 26 well, you can tell I really cared deeply about how high it was with that. <laughs> Twenty something I get from the corner of my eye. One, one, and the rest of the hundred. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One and something. Uh, excellent work. Yeah, thanks. Uh, like like anything, it's a trading game. That that style. I know we're more draft focused here on this episode, but uh, that's all. It's all about trading game. It's all about timing. It's about moving things off at the right time. And you know, I jumped off to Goey at the right time to Tex in that format and ran that gauntlet really hard. Um, so, so that's what that for, those formats all are about is timing your trades more than anything else. So with um, like Zach, Zach Williams is someone you're, you, you know, you're obviously out on last year and other people were very hot. Um, yeah. Do, ha, ha, what are your thoughts on Chera? That's probably been the biggest trade uh, of the this year. So did, yeah. how do you feel about him going to the Blues? Oh, I th- I think Chera is this incredible always tease sort of player where if the cards fall his way, he's got the potential to be a 105 midfielder in, in a season. But I think the greatest unknown about Carlton is how does this inside midfield mix actually work? We know Walsh is the star. He has clearly surpassed Cripps in, in that side. And I think for the next eight to 10 years, he's, he's missed a 105, 110, 115 for us across all the formats. If Cripps gets back fit and healthy, 
then yeah, I, I think Chera could be a 95 to 100 guy in Dream Team and Fantasy. Maybe because of his good skill use, he could maybe bump that up to a 105 in Supercoach. But I just don't see the volume of football available to him to be able to do that, especially if they push him out to the wing. Outside of an Andrew Gaff, there's just no wingers that really consistently across the formats deliver you ton upon ton upon ton. It's just a hard role to kind of have. So if he plays inside, yeah, I see the 95 to 105 across formats. But if he's playing wing, 95 might just be his ceiling. But to that point too, I think he's an option for us in drafts, definitely, like a really nice option because I don't see that basement really bottoming out to hurt us too much. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I think that's really fair. And I, I think I had the same same thoughts. Yeah, so from the coaches panel, obviously coaches panel's been around forever and a day, been mm-hmm. before us. Um, what what have you seen change uh, maybe within your own brand uh, and fantasy footy? Oh, man, heaps has changed. Like, it, it's gone from back a decade ago. There was honestly only two, three, maybe four content creators um, that talked about different things, and now there's dozens upon dozens. And the, the positive of that for people is, you find your flavor, you find your people and your style that you love. So the great stuff about what you guys have is is you're so unique, you're completely saturated on drafts. And anytime someone brings an off-brand moment, you, you politely just tell them to head um, down to Tasmania. Like you've just like, you know, we, we don't want you, um, which is awesome. And then there's people that like coaches panel, we're just like, we are your all-in-one um, kind of spot. And, and then you've got people that are take it super seriously. You've got guys that love to muck around in a little bit. So I think that's one of the things we've changed. Um, and then the second is um, there's so much good information out there now, both either because of who you listen to or if you do your own research, it gets harder to climb back the mountain in a ranking sense, in salary caps, and even in a draft sense. Um, it, there's just so much good advice out there now that you can't get a monopoly in your leagues like you might have been able to a couple of years ago. So that's changed. And then for us at the coaches panel, what's changed? Um, Honestly, not much. You know, a couple of guys have come and gone um, and, and joined the team. But for us, like anything, the longer you do something, the theory should be the better you get at it. So hopefully we're getting better at creating greater content that engages people. It helps them of whatever fantasy format, format they play. Yeah, and one of the things you mentioned there was I don't really see – someone who like you guys would be the the main ones who are across everything like you do uh the keeper stuff the draft stuff the salary cap stuff in both afl fantasy and super coach i don't really see anyone else do it if if they do it certainly not as well as you guys so how do you stay across um like everything Look, some of the things some of the things cross over, and so it's okay. Um, but there's a bunch of stuff that doesn't. Like, so for us as a team, there's about twelve to thirteen guys in the coaches panel, and so while you might hear my mug and, and voice a little bit more than, than some of the other boys, like it's guys like Rids and, and Fox and Jimmy and Kane and Tim, um, Jordox, Louie, who's even done some stuff with the Pod Pod guys. Um, that, like these are guys that we're all across it, and, and like most people that are content creators, probably got a group chat, and it's just firing um, and a bunch of different people doing stuff and and so for us that's how we kind of do it is if one person ever tries to be on top of everything you just don't have a life um and and you'll miss stuff so for us that that kind of helps but we miss stuff too um like like everybody else does so yeah it's it's tough to do it but you know a, a 
pretty amazing team that I get to work with um, kind of make it easy. And then if you follow enough people on Twitter, <laughs> like the information's all there too um, to be able to do it. So yeah, there's there's plenty out there. Yeah, yeah you guys have a an interesting team. You, I, I like your team. There's some guys that are that are push the <laughs> buttons. It's good. Um, but what's your favourite form of fantasy? Yeah. Oh, the one I'm doing well in at the moment um, it would probably be the one that, that I'm the most. Uh, but, but for me, I think it's probably about seven or eight years ago, like I, I first got involved in, in keeper leagues. And like anyone, once you start doing that, you kind of start getting a little bit hooked on the list management and the drafting strategy and the redrafting components and all that sort of stuff. So I really enjoy that and the banter and the people like that. But um, I, I'm probably an old school real dream teamer from a long time back. It, um, and so there's always a soft spot in my heart for the old school original, you know, 24 trades, two trades a week. Once they're gone, they're gone. Don't, you know, so there's a part of my heart that's kind of stuck with DT a bit. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, and what, is, what does the coaches panel have planned for 2022? We know you got the uh, great members area set up and you put out all the content in the world. What, what, is there anything being added? What, what's going on? Yeah, so right now for our uh, our members only, uh, we're doing a uh, a top fifty uh, keeper ranking, but doing it by tiers. We know you boys are big fans of ranking via tiers, so we're doing that at the moment. Podcasts and articles. Uh, we're about to use the power of hindsight for everyone and do some redraft podcasts uh, that are going to help some people out as well. At the moment, we're also dropping um, articles reviewing the trade period, and, and then very quickly, January run one rolls around, and, and the the podcast. Uh, the articles and maybe even some videos will drop this year of the 50 most relevant where I kind of put dream team, super coach, AFL fantasy, mush them all in one big melting pot and then share who I think are the most relevant players um, heading into the coming season. And then for better or for worse, people can kind of agree or or disagree uh, on that list. So, yeah, there's a fair bit flowing through year round, even if some of the podcasts aren't, aren't public like yours are. Uh, every single week of the year. Yeah, no, it sounds awesome. And uh, if you're a big fan of year-round fantasy footy, certainly head over to the coaches panel and uh, sign up and get all that great stuff over there. But of course, we are here to talk about trades and trades and the fantasy fallout from them. Cam, your cat sycophant, Jordan Clark, hit us up. He was it was a big name. He was a, he was a big piece, which is scary, isn't it? Yeah, it's really scary. A guy that's played eight games in the last year and, you know, basically struggled to make the first team was probably one of the two biggest names of the trade period or three biggest names. Um, this year, he didn't really set the world on fire after what was a pretty good preseason, good showing in the the ANSEC Cup. I ended up managing just the 56.4 AFL Fantasy and 62.1 Supercoach. Um, if I look at the cat side first, there's probably not much of an impact because he wasn't playing. So it's, it, you know, it's, it's, it, there's not really much going to miss there. But then sort of looking forward towards the, the Dockers side, I think there's maybe a world where he becomes relevant. And there's probably a bit of a, a caveat to that, that he needs to maintain his dual position status. So I think MJ raised a really good point around uh, wingers and, and top flight wingers still finding it hard to sort of breach that 95 plus uh, world. I, I think if when Jordan Clark lands there and plays, he's probably going to be deployed on a wing. 
they really, really struggled there this year, running guys like Darcy Tucker, you know, James Aish, Blake Akers through both sides of the ground. And, and they never really settled on what that looks like. And I think this year it'll probably be Aish and Clark. There's probably a world where he actually does go back as well because they also struggled for a running halfback. Um, they ended up with Darcy Tucker again. Uh, and, and you know, in the nicest possible way, he's not a halfback. Um, so, you know, probably worth watching in preseason, see where he gets deployed. Because with Chera leaving, there's a, probably a whole bunch of outside ball that, you know, potentially he can start to gobble up if he gets that sort of maybe halfback slash wing role. So if he's got dual position, I'm interested. If he doesn't and he's a mid only, then yeah, I'm probably out. And because he, he was pretty much stationed on a wing when he did play for the Cats this year. So it'll be probable that he loses DPP. Yeah, there's a whole lot of question marks uh, over there on that wing at Frio, but it seems like someone's someone's going to get some points. Yeah, you'd think there's going to be something in it. And if it's not... I mean, Aish this year was serviceable at times, right? Like he was scoring, you know, sort of mid-80s and he had that dual position as well, so pretty handy. Uh, maybe Jordan Clark does the same sort of thing. Um, but they, they were really just starved for, you know, quality ball use off those wings. And I think maybe that's what they're hoping Jordan Clark can be. He's also just fucking fast. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, for me, if he's got back or defensive status in draft, yeah, I'm slightly interested. If you're talking mid only, you got to be heading deep Mordor territories of draft <laughs> for me to go... Oh yeah, I'm interested. Like, th- there's just not the ceiling there. I, I think he's had a, maybe a couple of super coach tons across his year. Yeah, I know he's had limited opportunities, but I don't think he's even popped one yet in dream team and fantasy scoring yet. So, so for me, I, the way Fremantle move that ball too, um, even with those wings at Optus Stadium, it, it's a very condensed game style too. It's not as high possession as their crosstown rivals in West Coast. So for me. Back status, okay, he's relevant again for us, albeit late in a draft mid. Yeah, I'm probably going to look elsewhere. Yeah, he's definitely a big preseason watch. Uh, MJ, big pickup for the Crows. Probably the main, probably the only person we're talking about, really, in in the second week, if we're being perfectly fair. Oh, maybe there's one other. Uh, Jordan Dawson. Jordan Dawson, and, and there's big split opinion. He's going to be 105 plus, or he's going to be... Blah. He's an interesting one, isn't he? Like when you drill down into some of the numbers of what he delivered at Sydney, it's a very interesting perspective is how his year went. Like last year, he averaged 101 in Supercoach, 89 in AFL Fantasy, um, nine tons in Supercoach, five in Dream Team and Fantasy. The good thing I like about Dawson while he was at Sydney, we'll talk about the Crows in a second, just the four scores under 80 all year in Supercoach. Bigger split, seven there over in Dream Team and Fantasy. But what I liked is when he clearly moved up to the wing in that team, there's a huge differential in his scoring. Um, he was averaging 92 in Supercoach up to the bye. Roll change at that point on, averaging 114 in Supercoach. So we're talking a differential of 22. Wow. Um, while in Dream Team and Fantasy, it was averaging 80 pre-buy in that halfback role. Flips up to the wing. And 100 is what he delivered. So we're seeing a differential of about 20 when he's up on the wing. At Sydney, 
Now, Sydney are not Adelaide. Sydney are a lot better of a football team than what the Adelaide Crows are right now. And the Crows' outside game is looking a bit stronger than it was a couple of years ago. Scholl's developing. Miller, if he can come back from injury. Dawson, now, Seedsman had an All-Australian 40-squad season. And Brody Smith, well, we won't mention him because it'll bring up too many bad memories of bad draft years gone by. Um, but but for me, like, Seedsman averaged 95 for the Crows across the formats on the wing. So, so there's points there up on the wing. Um, in, in his recent press conference, Dawson was talked about his role and he's kind of seeing himself, at least according to Matty Nix, playing as the wing, might get the odd inside role, which I hate for him. I don't want to see that. The Crows don't need another slow midfielder in there. But where he's at his most dangerous is when he's using his weapon where he's got two to three metres of space on an opponent and he's able to pinpoint a pass. So I suspect the Crows will want him centre forward. So playing off the wing, maybe rotating off the half forward with guys like Miller or Scholl or Seedsman while they get those right rotations through the mid. I think his basement across in Dream Team and Fantasy, I think his floor is about 80. I think in Supercoach, because of his good ball use, is about an 85. But he won't get as many score involvements at Adelaide in Supercoach as what he would at Sydney. So so I think he's he's probably an 85 to 95 range in Supercoach. I think he's an 80 with a peak of 90 in Dream Team and Fantasy, which which is still perfectly reasonable. But given he's, he ranked top 10 for defenders last year across formats... I think some people will definitely pay overs for him on draft day. Um, but I, I don't think he's going to be a horrible pick either. Yeah, fair enough. So, yeah, that's that's an interesting way of looking at it. Everyone wants the, the big breakout or or super value, but he might just be a guy who you draft and you, he's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think as well, just a, a few of the defenders, a few of the top-tier defenders – lost their defensive status at the end of the year as well. So there was a lot of talk on Twitter as soon as the trade happened was, is he a top three defender going into next year? And it's like, it is very early to claim anywhere near top three. Yeah. But it, and, and MJ, I think that's where you might have been going in regards to there's, he, he could be overvalued come draft day. Yeah, I think so. Like, we'll lose Laird, we'll lose Mills. Some people might think we lose Crisp. We'll get a Hall and a Zeeble back there. Gosh, who would have thought we're talking about these boys as relevant names um, 12 months ago? But um, so there are still options that'll be around that mark. But people will just see that he was top five last year for points in Supercoach. And so if you're drafted in that format and you're going, oh, Hall was a bit of an aberration, you might be thinking. Zeeble only started strong and slowed late. Whitfield's got this injury history. Lloyd disappointed me. All of a sudden, I can see someone picking him, you know, third round of a draft as their D1, which for me is too early in that format because I just don't think he's going to get the score involvements that are going to boost those points in that format that are going to help him. Um, but I, I don't think he's going to be the a burn man either. I don't think he's the guy that you sit back at, at a podcast you guys do in August or something and going, oh, I picked Dawson <laughs> as D1 and he, and he ruined my season. Um, I, I don't think he's going to be that bad for people. MJ, I'm, I'm curious Just, what you think about the flip side. So like what happens at Sydney? Um, you know, you talk a little bit about Josh, uh, Jake Lloyd, sorry, having a bit of a down year, you know, dropped, 10 points on average or something in the AFL fantasy format. Yeah. Do you think maybe he gets a bit of a bump going into next year? 
Look, I think, honestly, it all depends how they they balance that defensive rotation out. Like, didn't have the monopoly on on the kick-ins that he'd previously had off the back either. We saw random players, including a Rampy, um, that was Longmire's like, yeah, I'll give Dane Rampy the ability to make sure we don't get a turnover from this point. I, I think for Lloyd, if a bad year is a high 90s, that's not that's not too bad for us as, as a D1 option as a bad year. Again, we're probably drafting him at the point of a 110, 115 midfielder, so that's where the burn hits. But I think Lloyd's fine. I think if you're thinking about who's the replacement for, for Dawson, I'm probably looking at a McInerney from the outside perspective um, would probably be that guy. Um, and, and maybe if you're really at a stretch, it's a Dylan Stevens, but I think he's got to work a bit harder for it. For me, McInerney's got groom for it. He doesn't have the weapon um, that, that Dawson does by foot. I think Campbell's going to take time. Second year players rarely break out for us. Like we're talking McRae, Fife's, Oliver's, like this is rarefied air. So I wouldn't be putting that kind of currency or expectation on Braden Campbell for me. McInerney's the late guy. He won't be defensive eligible, I don't believe, when we start. Um, but but as a as a mid-late uh, on draft day, it's, it's not a bad pick if he's got that role. Nice. You certainly showed some uh, fantasy chops, did McInerney. Hmm. Uh, player who moved to Sydney. It's Laddam's season. No, it's not Laddam's season. Uh, Laddam's season was was when it was a bit more funny. Uh, but he moved to Sydney from Port <laughs> Adelaide, played the 15 games, averaged 72 Dream Team, 76 Supercoach. Without Lysette in the team, it was 93 Dream Team, 96 Supercoach. He seems the likely candidate to be the forward who pinch hits in the ruck, or maybe it's a decent-ish split, but Tom Hickey seems to have a lockdown on that, played the 20 games, and, and, and was really good, actually. Never been a picture of health, though, to Tom Hickey. Uh, Laddam should have forward status. I think he's absolutely worth picking up in case of a Hickey injury, but in my opinion, the big winner is on the other side. It, it should be Scott Lysette, who should just have an absolute lockdown on that ruck roll, possibly just be solo ruck. I... Uh, He's going to be a name hot on my draft board, I would suspect. Who's the... I'm not overly up with the Port Rucks, but there's another kid, isn't there, that they wanted to give games to this year but didn't end up giving him to him. What's his name? Mays? Uh, Hayes. Hayes. There you go. So that'd be the, the only concern with on the Lyset side. You'd think probably not that much, but they're going to have to give him games at some point. Well, the only thing is they got a few talls in the forward line. So I, I would have thought one of them had pinch hit or even one of the defenders. Like, you know, they've got Dixon. I don't know. He's, he's I know he's coming to the end, but they still got him. Marshall, Georgiades. Uh, they picked up Finlayson. You know, you can't play, you can't play everyone. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Look, Porter really weird for me. Like for me, I would, I look at a Charlie Dixon and you can't play him as an exclusive forward and Todd Marshall as an exclusive forward, and Mitch Georgiatis as an exclusive forward. Uh, go back into the start of Dixon's career. He was playing that relief ruck role at Gold Coast. I think Port Adelaide would look so much more damaging if they gave some five to ten minutes, or maybe not ten minutes, maybe five to eight minutes per quarter. Dixon, get involved in the game when he has some cold moments, when he's not running hot through the forward line. Get involved because they're just so predictable on your forward 50 entries. They've got some really damaging weapons, but there's almost some 
Hawthorne-esque like through their midfield where they just see Dixon like Hawthorne used to see Buddy. It's like, well, just kick it to him. And they become so predictable and one-dimensional. So from a footy sense, I think that would be the right play for them and also from a fantasy sense because there's nobody else of their tools that they'd want to be bringing in. Georgie Artisan and Marshall aren't those relief ruck guys. You don't want to go full Sydney and move Aaliyah into the rucks either. He's just so damaging there. So for me, Dixon's the one that I'm like, mate, chop up and have a go. But to your point, Steve, like, Lysette's the guy. Um, there's no competition. Finlayson's depth, in my opinion, at best um, for some of those guys. So you can't fit those three and Lysette and Hayes all in the same side. So yeah, it's 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 not quite Lysette season, but it's a good time to be a Lysette owner. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the Rucks, Rucks look like in the overall rankings this year, I think, just where they all fall and they slip a little bit. Maybe a guy who's a mid-range guy like Lysette, you know, he's he's even sort of 10th, 11th round rather than 6th, 7th round like he's been in previous years. Cam, Geelong rucks. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's been an issue. And and we've solved it with Jonathan Segler. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, Crisis my goodness. averted. <laughs> Crisis averted. At the ripe old age of 30-something, so fitting the age demographic perfectly. Rookie player uh, for Geelong. Nice. Yeah, rookie. Yes, absolutely. He's uh, just coming out of the, the diapers there. Um, I find it pretty hard to believe that he's going to have a breakout year at Geelong. He had enough opportunities, I thought, at the Hawks to when he was solo ruck when Big Boy was playing down back um, to actually you know have a breakout game or two, and he just didn't. He... He averaged uh, 76.4 in the AFL fantasy format, 90.3 in Supercoach, both his career years. So if there was a breakout, I'd suggest this was it, uh, and that's probably it. Um, looking at the other side, and so you know, from a Cats perspective, it, it'll you know, Reece Stanley won't be able to be a streamer for you these mm. you know, next year, I wouldn't think. Um, that's probably about it. And then looking at the Hawks side, I... It's interesting that I have no idea who the number one ruck's going to be, if they're going to roll Big Boy out for a, you know last couple of years or if he's going to play forward like he did towards the end of the year or if he's going to play back like he did at the start of the year um, or if they're going to play Max Lynch or if it's going to be Ned Reeves. You know, it, it There's a lot of combinations there and all I can sense is that none of them are going to score well as a result. So it's a, I feel like there's probably not, a lot of relevance because they'll roll a two ruck system and no one really has that breakout score potential. Steve, you you were going to talk about Max anyway in a couple of picks time. Do you want to just maybe run through Max now anyway? Because that's might have just covered it for you. Oh, I will talk about Max. Oh, you think I should do it right now? Just do it right now? Yeah, Max Lynch went to Hawthorne. He's a 200-centimetre ruckman. Uh, played three games, 68 Dream Team and 63 Supercoach is his best score. Um, he, he did have the most hitouts against Melbourne when Gorn was playing, so Hawthorne obviously like what they see. Bit of height has left the Hawks, so there is opportunity. Big boy McAvoy on his absolute, absolute last legs. Seriously, this man is being wheeled around at this point. Ned Reeves actually showed some fantasy chops with his ability to lay some tackles and get his hands on the ball. Um, but Hawthorne are clearly going through a rebuild, so I'd assume that 
internally they see a Lynch-Reeves combo uh, to be a two-headed monster to absolutely make Hawthorne Rucks undraftable for the next decade, just as they've <laughs> been for the last decade. Um, but if, if there was a spate of injuries, I'd, I don't know. Maybe Reeves is okay because he can lay, and he was on his own. He laid some tackles. That's that's good. I I'd say it. there's worse options, but I, I actually don't know if there's worse options. But yeah, it, <laughs> it, it, all three of them are going to be ranked outside the top fifteen rucks, and that's, it gets pretty dire at that point. Would yeah. be my guess. Yeah. That's when you've left it's drafts, not rucks, not just to last. But literally the last pick, you're like, oh, no, I forgot a Ruckman on draft day. Oh, I'm not playing Finlayson or Thilthorpe. Okay, I need an actual Ruckman. And even then, you're probably looking at Thilthorpe as your R1 at that point against some of these ones. So, yeah, nah, not me. for me. Oh, no. <laughs> yep. I mean, so at least that covers that league, up, I guess. You should just have a, a utility instead of a Ruck. Uh, I don't. Yeah, there you go. I'm into that. Solve that problem. That's they are just horrible options. We had to talk about them because there was nothing else to talk about. This show could have been ten minutes, honestly. <laughs> could have done seven ISO drafts. <laughs> can we MJ, just do? Given... Can we? Can we? Can we just roll out the? I'm just going to jump in and just cover off the third ruck in that sure. roulette because oh, I don't I don't use ruck roulette. Ruck roulette. Oh, is that not, not a thing that we can use? Mate, I reckon that was used about 73 million times on deadline day. Oofed. Oh, no, it was merry-go-round. Sorry. My bad, ah, everybody. Ah, yeah. My bad. I got yep. it in there. Very good. Very good. Uh, so, Darcy Fort, over to you, MJ, for Pat Lipinski. <laughs> <laughs> no comments. Uh, yeah. No analysis. Uh, yeah. I, just, I just... Darcy Fort moved. I, I wouldn't think... Yeah, like... If you take it from an objective perspective, he's not going to have much impact on either side of the equation. I think until Hipwood is back, he likely plays split ruck with Oscar Mack. Yeah. Uh, one of them plays forward. Uh, I read something through the week that they find they they liked the look of Darcy Fort as a forward, um, which may impact Joe Danaher's scoring because he was playing the chop out ruck and actually getting a bit of ball around there as well. So that would be the slight impact. But then as soon as uh, old mate Hipwood's good to go, he's probably you know back to the twos. Yep. yep. And no loss for Geelong again because he wasn't playing. Well, he hey, he could be relevant if if Big O goes down and he has yep. forward status. There you go. Yeah, well, that's it. That's the the positive. That's the that's, a that's good the dream. Look. Yep. Yep. So yep. that's your. He's. I'll put him at rank fourteen, <laughs> ahead of the Hawthorne trio, ahead of the Hawthorne uh, Cerberus. <laughs> Oof. You hate to see it. All right, MJ. We gave you all the good players for this. Show. I was about to. I was about to say outside of Laddams, who has a world where things could work. You, you've given me something, so I appreciate <laughs> that you didn't say, lads. We need five minute content out of Darcy Fort. So that's what we're bringing you in off the bench for. So, so I appreciate you not making me have to push too much up the hill um, with that one. I can talk about a lot, but Darcy Fort for five minutes is, yeah, yeah that, that's a stretch. All right. Patrick Lipinski, he's an interesting one for me. He's one of a handful of interesting ones. Um, I, I think he's best suited to a half forward 
wing role. Um, we saw that's where he did deliver at times at, at the Western Bulldogs this year. Not heaps. He only got the nine games, mid-60s average across the formats. But there were glimmers with him, even though he was a midfielder only for us. An 82 in round one against the Pies in AFL Fantasy. Um, a 95 in Supercoach, 26 touches. Round 11 against the Demons. A 95 in AFL Fantasy, an 89 in Supercoach, 23 possessions. I, I think where people will be keen on him is if they're thinking back to 2019 and they're going, oh, if I can get Lipinski of 2019... I might be all right because that year he averaged 85 in Dream Team and Fantasy, 81 in Supercoach, handful of tons across each formats, even a couple of 120s and and a few, just a few scores un, under 70. Um, I think for me though, he'll pop in two people's in people's eyes based on two variables if they kick. One is if he picks up forward status. Um, if champion data allocated or ultimate footy at it, if it's not missed over the top, okay, he's probably up a few people's draft boards. Or if he receives some salary cap hype because he only played a handful of games and if in some format he gets given a discount for who only knows what reason, they might be keen on him. But for me, I just look at that outside stocks of Collingwood and I'm really fascinated to see how they this mix um, under McRae actually looks like. They've got Poulter, who is really quite solid on the wing in their first season, both versions of the Dacos brothers, um, Will Hoskin Elliott, still side bottom rolling through there. They, they liked Bianco at times when he got opportunities up through there. And that's before you even talk about Lipinski. So, so for me, that outside and inside midfield mix at Collingwood is intriguing. We know they're a high possession football team under Buckley, but McRae's already come and set out in the preseason. Um, pretty much as soon as he got hired, we need to be more direct in our in our approach for inside forward fifties. We're not going to fart around and waste the ball, which scares me a bit about Degoe, given the amount of marks he took to be able to score well through the midfield too, even if he's a midfielder. But look, Lipinski, if he's a forward, again, like Clark, we said at the top of the episode. Okay, I'm actually at least looking for you. But if you're a mid-only Lipinski, an 80s is the ceiling for him. And and an 80s midfielder is depth at very best in in your draft side. So unless he's a forward, i got no interest in him. I read an interesting uh, perspective on the Lipinski trade, and it was someone had heard an inside word or, you know, whatever it is, but that they actually want him in and around the ball rather than on a wing. And yeah, and, and, and because uh, the the logic was Jordan Degoe, Tay Tay, and um, Pendles are much the same speed, and so they need a little bit of burst speed through there. I don't know if that is going to change much or if that'll come to fruition, but would you know if he's around the ball, would that change your thoughts, MJ, or still probably cap it? I still think cap it. Um, yeah. because I, th- I just see Collingwood having such a tight rotation because um, Crisp is in there, Dugowie's in there, Adams yeah. is in there as, as their three. They've shown they want, uh, they'll, they'll want to give Nick Dacos opportunities. Uh, McRae has come through, who we didn't even talk about earlier, who's who's got strong ball-winning bi- abilities, but the issue for him was just didn't have a tank because he barely played any footy for 18 months coming off a, a COVID lockdown here in, in Melbourne. So uh, for me, even if he does add some spark through there, Where's that volume of ball that's going to be coming from? Adams is such a good, strong first-touch player. Dugowie's so imposing in and around the contest too. And if this narrative of McRae comes to pass of a more direct use of football, 
then that could cap all our magpie midfielders, not just the ceiling of Lipinski. So I think he's got an opportunity, but I also see a world where Nick Dacos surpasses him clearly, where, where Poulter and McRae with another preseason, or, or Bianco, where these guys that they've clearly rated and given games, I actually still see a world where he's relegated back to the half-forward flank at best, and he's unrosterable even if he does have forward status. So so I'm not bullish on Lipinski at all. I'm interested, but but the inside mid-role, if, if I see it, okay, I'll put it on the I'm wrong list for 2022, and I'm sure that's already growing as we speak. But for... This is the guy that drafted Riley O'Brien on our mock draft in round one. So, so take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> oh, but I, I just don't see it there. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I think you'll be right. I, I find, found it really hard to believe the take when I heard it, but it was interesting anyway. These are um, traditionally the sort of players I hate. Right, the half forward who can't get a game somewhere, so he moves, so he's automatically going to get a game at another club. I actually, I'm probably a little bit more glass half full, uh, maybe than yourself. So I'll play a little bit of devil's advocate on here. You mentioned a lot of players, you mentioned a lot of players, right? And some of them are old. Some of them are really young and some of them are prone to missing games or playing different roles. (laughs) Like I actually saw Collingwood have a really wide rotation last year. They, they, They ran a lot of guys through there. So you probably got to. So I can see a guy who's more got those five preseasons under his belt, rather than the younger guys who could play inside and outside, who doesn't have to come off the ground as much. So I agree, his scoring probably doesn't. You know, it's it's, it's probably going to be hard to roster him, but I think he might be a guy you have on your bench who covers uh, on a week to week basis if he only has mid midfield status. So that's probably where I'm a little bit more. Um, Glass half full. I just, I, I think it's a good landing spot because yeah. I don't think anyone's really established. Like aside from like, obviously Adams and um and Degoe, but there's a lot of a lot of maybes there. Maybe like the Frio wings. Yeah, it's it's a good shout, and, and that's the thing is if you're picking him on on drafter, because I just don't think even as a forward, I, I wouldn't really want too much in your salary cap formats, even with a, a lack of options. It, it's all about that narrative. It's all about that story. If I'm picking him because I believe this and this and this and this, and then if it gets disproven, oh, I'm wrong. Um, you know, I, I made a bad call on draft day. I jumped too early. Or I didn't jump early enough. So as long as the narrative is there. That's got to back the reason you pick a bloke. If there's no narrative there and it's just oh he got traded. Well, then yeah. you're picking Darcy Ford as R1, and no one wants that as the reason. Yeah, he's, he's a very late pick. He's a very late pick as well. <laughs> what? What did I miss? I'm missing something. No, I think I think we might just be having some problems with the the platform. A uh, bit of a delay, but all oh, okay. Oh, there's a lot of delay. Steve, uh, I think that'll that'll confirm it. There's a- <laughs> Black dog. (laughs) What's going on? Uh, Anyway, on to the Twitter questions. Uh, Russ asks, any rough trade? Not sure what that means. Rough trade. We're trading. Next question. Yeah. Ninja (laughs) asks... Can you release a 24-hour podcast where nothing happens until the last 10 minutes, like Trade Radio? Maybe. Do a 24-hour... I think they do a 24-hour live show uh, for charity in America. I don't know. Wow. 
Yeah. Yeah, we could do that. Okay. I'll put it on, I'll put it on the whiteboard. all the fantasy people together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Faz asks, <laughs> does uh, Segler fit the late round ruck strat we like to deploy? I wouldn't think so. Andrew Longy asks, is, is Sydney big enough to host Bruce and Laddam season at the same time? It's not. <sighs> it's not. It's not a big town. It's not big enough to hold Proust season solo, let alone bring in a Laddams version in. So We've had to move Proust to Canberra from what I've heard. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Mark asks, how long should you wait after brushing your teeth to drink a glass of orange juice or a cup of coffee? You know what? This is what I love about the draft, Doctors, is um, <laughs> when I get questions on the Coaches Panel podcast, it's all these intense moments where people are like, oh, what are the variable outcomes of this? And what are the permutations? And what do you forecast? And, and you're going, look, I want to have a glass of OJ, but I've just brushed my teeth. And I just need to set a stopwatch. So that's what I love about you boys, is you get everything <laughs> sorted. I love that. But what's the answer, MJ? <laughs> what's the... Uh, the answer's always seven. Seven. Um, the answer's always seven. Minutes, seven. hours, jelly beans. You, it's in, open to interpretation. Seven. Love it. Lock it in. Well, I reckon biting an apple is way worse. Yeah, that's much worse. Don't do that. Yeah. Much worse. Um, Coxie asks, with the number one pick still with the ruse, should keeper coaches avoid the number one fancy uh, Jason Horn Francis? No one else fantasy relevant has gone to the ruse and been instantly good ever. Sean Higgins. <laughs> but should Todd they Goldstein pick, um, had a good year once. Yeah. Should they pick um, JHF? Wasn't uh, Tom Tom Powell this year? He was Wasn't that good. his first year? He was pretty good. Yeah, for a keeper. Good. Yeah, and he, he should be mid-forward um, for us across the formats. That North Melbourne mix is really intriguing. I, I think Horn Francis is going to be a beautiful player. Um, but how that midfield mix structures up is intriguing. How do you fit a combination of, uh, even this year, let alone in years to come, Cunnington, LDU, Godison, yep, on brand for you boys. I'm, I'm taking care of you there. No problem at all. <laughs> Powell, Phillips, Taron Thomas, and Horn Francis. I think he's probably going to take, they're going to take their time with him. I, I think he will pick up midfield moments, but I think they're going to play more off the half forward at first. Um, if I had number one pick in a keeper draft or a redraft and was looking at, at, at the rookies, for me, everything Nick Dacos has done at the lower level just has him slightly ahead for me. But but I don't think you can go wrong. If you've got picked to in a keeper draft and you need to pick a, a kid, I don't think you can go too wrong with Jason Horn Francis. It, it, you just got to wait for the Cunningtons to drift out of the side. You just got to wait um, for um, those kind of guys to move their way out, Jed Anderson types. And, and when he becomes established, that's fair. I'm a little concerned about Will Phillips, if I'm honest. Um, I don't know how he's going to go, but that could just be one year of things not going his way. Powell feels like the guy that's the dude that's going to pop in terms of from a fantasy perspective with that high-volume ball winner. LDU feels like the great player that may never, ever make it as a fantasy player just because of the way he plays the game. 
Horn Francis just feels like a really nice all-rounder. That'll be really good for you in keeper leagues, um, even if he doesn't quite get to the ceilings everyone hopes he does. I, I think they've already come out and said that they wanted to play half forward in the first year anyway, So yeah. and they're keen to get games into him. So there's probably, you know, I don't think he'll be a good scorer for you in year one, but no one ever really is anyway. Um, and then, you know, maybe years two and three. I, I think the one that, you know, for, for keeper coaches, if you've got this guy, he's probably more of a delisted or wavered this year anyway. But Trent Jumont, like he's been stationed on a wing for the last couple of years. He had to sort of grow into the role. I find it, I, I think his role's probably in jeopardy, I'd think. If they're going through a proper rebuild, they've got all these kids, they're going to want to give them games. Who do you play? 27-year-old Trent Jumont, who is not really a winger, or, you know, JHF. You'd probably play JHF. Mm-hmm. Jesus, you hate to say it. Uh, Frogger asks, do you think we'll see a Kyrie-style situation in the AFL? Kyrie Irving uh, famously not getting the jab and uh, will limit his ability to play games in New York. If so, who are the men most likely and what impact will his stance have on Kyrie top shots? Now, quickly, I will field the top shot question. Because I'm all in on top shot at the minute. Um, it was a big drop. A lot of money was spent. Do not tell Mrs. Fizz. Um, and the thing is, if he's not playing, they can't create moments. So it might drive his value up. I've certainly got a couple of Kyrie Irving stonks on the top shot. Uh, but who, what if, on the other side, the, the real, the real stuff. When in doubt, you always pick on Jake Stringer. So, um, or Bruce, I, I genuinely, I, I honestly think, I don't know. <laughs> Tarsi Fort, you know, somewhat, I, I no idea. I think it's, uh, Jack Darling had some, uh, interesting Twitter posts last year about being anti-vax. So, and saying COVID's fake and Jaden Stevenson, the other one, That's actually. True. Yeah. There'll was, be someone, there'll be someone. For sure. It's happening. Yeah. Well, I'm and also Paddy Mills. Yeah, huge. This is actually why Zaharakis retired, because uh, he was just like, no, no, no to the jab. Yeah. But, yeah, it'll be interesting. Mm. Check social media. Check social media for the um, for the players' stuff, I guess. That'll be on Big Footy. Go over to Big Footy. It's always... It's already there. It's always... I'm sure it's already there. Yeah. Good fun. Someone's got a mate of a mate that's told them. I just want to know what yeah. the market's like on points bet, to be honest. <laughs> was... uh, Surly asks, how many nuggets, Cam, should you eat in one sitting? A lot. Uh, the number, the answer this time, MJ, is not seven because <laughs> oh. uh, that is significantly too low. Uh, I always think a 20-pack is adequate. So seven packs of three. Cool. We're, we're agreed. Yeah. Seven is the answer. <laughs> Well, look, you don't want an odd number, so um, yeah, we'll go with seven packs of four. <laughs> seven six packs actually is the right number. Oh my goodness! I don't know. Like, I see the twenty pack of nuggets get launched at, um, you know, those deals that are like twenty nuggets for eight bucks or whatever it is at KFC. Yeah, Gee, pretty hard to pass up. Not a it's nugget good content. Guy. Not a nugget guy at all. When I hit 13, I stopped being a nugget guy. Yeah. You're leaving all the nuggets for me and I love it. All right. Happy to help, man. Give me the tendies. 
like yeah, three nuggets on one. That's true. <laughs> uh, Greg asks, could you also handle a review of these? Now, he put up something. It's a um, – I'm bringing it up on the on the internets here. Uh, just, just give me a second. It's Cole's Simply Gluten-Free Frozen Chicken Nuggets. I think they're meat-free, though. Oh, Cole's meat, meat-free meat chicken nuggets. What? Oh, no, we don't have a Coles right, in it? Portland. Really? Okay. Well, there's no Coles in Portland. Yeah. Hmm. I'll try we've it. Had the, um, we've had the... Uh, what's the, There's that brand that does the meat-free stuff. It's green. We've had their, the, the meat-free nuggets. They're all right. Okay. Miller Time asks, will there be any more penis trade talk? Maybe. I, I didn't. I read this and I I don't get it. <laughs> what, what was that? Uh, so if, if you read the show description from last week. <laughs> it was, um, the, the word penis got used quite a lot. I just want to see if people read it. Uh, apparently Miller Time was the only one because no one said anything until now. Nice. Don't get that That's at the coaches' of... panel, DM. You, you definitely should not get that. <laughs> Number three on the fifty most relevant this time. <laughs> not at all, mate. Not at all. Oh well, maybe for the members section. Anyway, maybe for the members that, section. Yeah, that, that's all we got for you this week. Uh, we somehow stretched that out to uh, fifty-three minutes. My God, amazing scenes. Thanks for joining us, MJ. You're an absolute legend. Uh, please, everyone, check out the, the Coaches Panel. Where are they going to find you? Uh, you can check out the website, coachespanel.tv, all the links for all the socials, Patreon, uh, the website, articles, everything you need. You can follow all the boys at the Coaches Panel while you're there. Coachespanel.tv is everything you need. Brilliant. Thank you very much. And that's another trade period wrapped up. We'll see you next week, listeners. <laughs>